Hello and welcome to the Martin Howard Property Podcast, where we discuss all things property, investment and development. Strap on and buckle up, it's going to be a deep dive and we'll go right into every subject that we discuss. So let's go. Hello and welcome to the Martin Howard Property Podcast slash YouTube video channel slash short form video channel slash wherever you're seeing or listening to this. Today we are doing how to make money in property in 2023 because it's a very, very liquid market. Things are changing and you need to figure out what to do because the sands have shifted. It's not what it was last year, the year before, the year before that. We're in a different place now and we need to know what to do. So let's work through it. So we're going to do this in a couple of sections, going to go looking at the challenges that we're facing as property investors, developers and landlords. And then I'm going to look at the opportunities that presents because wherever there are headwinds, there are tailwinds in another direction. All we have to do is put our sail up, find the prevailing wind and go with it. There's no point in sailing against the wind. So I'm going to show you exactly which way it's blowing and how we as professionals can operate in this marketplace with the way it's changing and still make good money in property and provide really good habitable spaces for people to live in, which is what we do effectively, right? So the challenges we are facing are section 24 taxation, the tenant fee bans that are existing in different jurisdictions, the eviction and restriction and bans that are coming and that are here because of COVID, and I don't think they're going to go away. Whenever people lose rights because of safety, they never really get them back. And it's a whole other conversation to be had. But whenever governments governments use a good crisis, they never waste a good crisis is a politician's phrase. We had the COVID issue. They took a lot of our rights away. We won't be seeing them again. Rent increase legislation. There are areas of the UK where you're not allowed to increase rents at all. We'll go through over those areas what to do about those and there are methods you can use to overcome those the interest rates the era of basically free money is over the banks aren't going to give that back and how they achieved that is an interesting conversation to have and we will do that inflation well in fact on interest rates we'll go into that in quite a a bit of detail because the market was manipulated on purpose and I'll talk talk through that is it is a real interesting part if you're staying with me inflation currently at 10% at the time of speaking or there or thereabouts and what that means for your money what that means for your properties what that means for your developments the so-called cost of living crisis and what that means for people and then we'll move on to the opportunities so renting profitably how to do that in this day and age with everything as it is time to buy it is the time to buy. It's the first time in at least five years we've had a real real good buyer's market. It's, it's time to buy. It's looking good. Future market conditions and what they may be. Change of, changes of use. use change, you, changing the use of properties and making them into uh, more profitable spaces. Commercial property. Is that looking better than ever or not and why? Well, short term, yes. Long term, less so. Commercial to residential conversions. I love these. I love these. I love these. I love these. Really, really good money to be made from these if you do them right. And flips. 
now is a brilliant time to be flipping property instead of renting it out and we'll go through into that in a moment so let's look at section 24 section 24 is a law brought in by George Osborne slight interruption there so yes George Osborne he uh, he's introduced this thing called section 24 it is a right fucker for landlords it means that we are now paying tax on our turnover not our profit it came in in um, 25% chunks over four years it um, yes so it does mean that uh, landlords have to pay full tax on their rental income not the profit so you pay in you, you pay you know you pay your mortgage your fees and all of that and none of that's written off and you pay tax on the lot and then whatever's left is your is your profit and for every other business I think in Western history certainly in the UK at this moment in time it's every business is pays tax on their profit not in this case you have to wonder why that is and what they're doing but uh, in terms of difficulties it means that everybody's rent has to go up and has been going up 10 15 20 percent just on that because it needs to be we get a lot of stick as landlords and it's not very nice people are hating on us a lot at the moment but we need to be stand firm we create habitable spaces for people people have places to live because of us we are the backbone of the British economy as much as any nurse truck driver bus driver policeman all those people and provide all those services that create the society in which we live and allow us to live easily all live in houses all live in flats all live in habitable spaces and a lot of them are renting from people like us that or even living in places that people like us built let alone places that people like us own like us built or converted or renovated we need to stand firm on our feet and say we are landlords and we are great and we do good things for people and the community and have none of that crap in on us because other people can't afford homes and what have you in fact let's continue this rant a little bit more because this is ridiculous people say that the price of properties has gone up because landlords are buying properties well let's do the maths on that let's do it how much does a length of three by two cost about 2.5 mil twin and earth cabling how about a 12 and a half mil soundboard or normal plasterboard or fireproof board how about a fire system how about fire escape windows how about carpets kitchens bathrooms taps toilets fittings cookers how much do you pay your staff do you pay people the minimum wage or do you pay them less well you can't can you do you pay them a living wage do you pay your tradespeople fairly now for all the extreme lefties listening to this you're like yes pay people fairly and pay people these people deserve proper wages and stuff then that's yeah a good virtue to signal that's very nice well done you when people are charging fair market rates things cost money how much does it cost to get a property ready to be rented to be lived in to be sold to be habitable 
to be in good enough condition for somebody to live or very good condition for somebody to want to live in. The cost of things directs the price of things and it has to be worthwhile spending money on in order for people to do it. There's no way somebody is going to spend money on refurbishing a property if at the end they're going to lose money on it. Why would they lose their money on it? Why would they put all that time and effort and heartache and difficulty and sleepless nights and all the rest of it into it? Why would they deal with staff? Why would they be chasing after tradesmen? Why would they be chasing after payments, invoices, doing accounts, taxes and everything if there wasn't a reward in it for them? If there wasn't a purpose to benefit them and their family? So, no, we are not responsible for first-time buyers finding it difficult. The price of things in the marketplace is responsible for that. And on a wider issue, we are going from a first, you know, the world used to be first and third world. And many, many people still think it is, but it isn't. It's a, we now live in a first and second world country. It is uh, and third world country and the first world are the uh, far east states such as Dubai, Qatar that's where the money is now we're now in the second world and the third world is still world is still the African regions, Asian, Asian basin where there's still mass mass poverty but don't think you know our, our generation is still operating like we are we've still got an empire like things are still easy for us like we can still take things from the rest of the world for cheap as chips and live quite freely and easily off of that we cannot and as the world comes away from using the petrodollar the western countries that are beholden to america close to america like us are going to find that more even more hard more and more harder so it's a wider economic thing and it certainly isn't the landlord's fault that property prices go up so trying to clear landlords out with things like section 24 is stupid all you're going to create is a lots of homelessness because properties do not take care of themselves they need somebody to love them pay attention to them care for them and make them and keep them habitable and they just do so this taxation has to be stopped at some point and i suspect one of the big housing groups is going to have their lobbyists in the ear of the government's agencies and they will sort it out I'm damn sure so margins are being squeezed absolutely they are when you, you have taxation issues like that if you take any cost off any business then that money comes out of the profit only so another little pause there but our margins are squeezed like they've not been squeezed before on our rental properties and this is causing us you know that's causing us some difficulties when in any business you have uh, your income section and you have your cost section and then you have your profit section when you take money out of the income it comes off a hundred percent of the profits until the say you make 20 pounds on a hundred pounds of income and somebody so your costs are £80 and something makes your cost £90 then your profit, yeah, £10 extra comes all off the profits and your profit is suddenly halved so by adding whatever that is, 8% to your income or 12% to your income, sorry, or to your costs you take 50% of your profits and section 24 has done that to landlords incomes it's costing a lot of money for people and not a lot of money 
it just generally it comes off the profits and so in order to be able to continue to operate and deliver habitable spaces in a way that is worthwhile for us we have had to raise our rents on people because otherwise it's not worthwhile and then we don't do it and then people don't have places to live so when we are talking about section 24 and its effect what it's going it's causing homelessness it's causing less properties to be available for people it's causing trouble in the marketplace and that's why it really can't be left and it probably won't be left for too long um, how much rent to increase by to cover it is a question here and we i think that people's rents have gone up a bare minimum 10 percent for section 24 more like maybe 15% and they will continue to rise at the maximum rate for a number of years um, just to cover those taxation costs that landlords are now facing and not just private landlords not just private landlords the big ones as well the housing groups especially will be doing this it's going to go up for everybody now let's discuss this now inflation and war debt we spent 400 billion on COVID. That is a wartime budget. That's a wartime. We went to war with COVID. We did a wartime budget. And the way that governments get out of the debts caused by wartime budgets is inflation. Wartime debts are sold by inflation. If you have a 100 billion pound debt and you make your money worth half as much, then that 100 billion debt is then worth 50 billion instead of 100 billion at the new rates because there's more money flowing through the system. That means that if you can accelerate inflation after war times or after a pandemic, then you can decrease the debt to income ratio on your country by pushing inflation. So is the inflation an accident? Probably not. Are they doing things like this? Oh, whoops, we've increased everybody's rents. Now inflation's gone up. And never mind. Now our government debt is less and we cannot spend more. So don't think these things are accidents. But at the same time, when they do push too hard and it makes it difficult for people to rent, then uh, uh, and it makes lots of homelessness and starts costing them votes, they'll cut it out and it won't be long before that's actually the case so that's fine and we're actually seeing that already we have an election coming up in the UK in I don't know when actually 2024 and in 2025 I think it was the EPC rating so the energy performance certificates on your properties would had to be a level C or above which is it's rated A to I think F but I've seen them A to E whatever you can get a G actually I think I've seen a G whatever the energy performance ratings had to be a C or above. They were good. that was going to be the new legislation. Your energy performance rating on a property to make it to be legally rentable had to be a C or above. That was never ever going to happen. Purely because, as I've just said, if you do something that causes mass issues, then the government is going to have protests and there are going to be problems. If that law came in overnight, millions of landlords <laughs> would be writing to their tenants saying, I'm very sorry. But I can no longer legally house you. I'm going to have to start eviction processes because it's not viable for me to make your property level C or above. And that's not the landlord being a profiteering wanker. That's the UK housing stock not being suitable. Single skin thatch cottages, two up, two down seafront cottages with single skins. 
places that don't have gas that are on oil supply old mining town villages with their skinny houses blocks of flats that were never built to hit the EPC rate how are you going to do them they, they would need they need to knock them down and start again in many cases it just isn't going to happen and so by appeasing the green people and telling them they were going to do this they bought themselves some time but now that bill has actually just missed its reading in parliament and is not being passed what a surprise eh i've been saying this for years and years and years it won't happen and now that's exactly where it is cannot happen and the same with section 24 if it causes mass issues quicker than the inflation can cope with it then they will cancel it off so we as landlords need to realize and property developers and investors that we are in a bigger system where a government is trying to out inflate its covid debt its pandemic budget its wartime budget and in doing so they are accelerating inflation by adding costs on like section 24 and so if we ride it out we will be okay at the end and if, what we need to do is increase our rents to cover it but don't think it's not planned or part of a bigger picture something that we are only little wisps of we're farts in the wind on this one farts in the wind it's a bigger thing macroeconomics global economics the prosperity of the whole country as a whole and, and this is just one thing they're using to manipulate their domestic market in order to cover off the money they spent on the pandemic so the future prospects for, 20, for section 24 is it's probably going to go away but not yet what that means for tenants is that their rents are going to increase and or they already have but they're going to continue to increase we're going to see maximum rent increases for the next three to five years minimum just to cover these costs so as a landlord that means that right now it's less profitable than it was because of these taxation issues but going forwards as long as we, you are professional and we are professional and we increase our rents accordingly over the next three to five years inflation is a double-edged sword our property values will rise with inflation okay we've got cost of living and mortgage costs and other things that will hit the property prices a little bit right now but in an inflating market the property prices inflate too so we're going to see our property prices rise 10 15 20 in fact next three to five years 20 to 30 percent easily because of this inflation now our assets are not as liquid property assets are not liquid money is liquid you go in and out of your bank account in and out of your hand very quickly just like that property takes time to buy renovate sell their legal processes it's a unit in the ground with no legs or wheels or wings it ain't gonna fucking move because of that it follows more slowly so as inflation increases property prices might stay where they are go down a little bit as people react but then the property prices will track after that inflation and go right back up so if you've got property or you're buying property now in two three four maybe five years time people will be asking you how how lucky or telling you how lucky you were that you got property now how lucky you were because the prices have gone up so much since then actually no you just know you listened to the martin howard property podcast and you know because i told you <laughs> that's why so the next challenge that we're facing are tenant fee bans these are absolutely ludicrous some of the most stupid things you could ever see in your life if a tenant loses their key can't get in at two in the morning 
and wants you to call out a locksmith to let them in you can't bill them for that so it's a it, but there is a good reason for this ban misuse of things by agents agents used to be charging tenants fees for things for just booking a property so you want to move into a property you need to pay this agency fee that agency fee this administration fee this deposit this that and the other it was getting out of hand the there are letting agents that aren't very good and they profiteer but not only do they do that to tenants they do it to landlords as well so they'll say like they go out for a maintenance inspection they find like a rubber seal on a window is slightly gone or a little bit of carpet is frayed they'll be like, new carpet from my supplier with x amount added on as my kickback and they're doing they were doing that to tenants as well it was making it really hard for people to live the outcome of that was the tenant fee balance and now we're all paying for these assholes effectively because we are now have to charge more rent again to cover these risks we've had tenants in properties you know I've had one move into a tenant into a house pays first month's rent and deposit and never pay another penny took six months to get him out six months landlord not happy mortgage payments going out every month and for what because he was basically paying for them to live in his house for free and they used to ring up and say our drain is blocked like, what well, so you you're not paying and you're blocking the drain can't charge them for that have to clear it for them legally have to keep it habitable for them it's the only industry imagine not paying for your hire car they're ringing up and saying it's broken down and the hire car company coming out to fix it for you paying for that and then and it's not even the car breaks down say they they burst the tires and it's their fault and then make you come and fix it because you've got a rental agreement that you haven't paid for and legally the hire company has to that's the situation landlords are in with this tenant fee ban so we need now to charge more to cover risks over over a portfolio of properties that's another 10 percent minimum on every property just because of that so if you're a tenant watching this you're bill every month your rent bill when you're saying landlords this that and the other my rent bill's too high about 10 15 percent of your rent bill is because of this and you take that away and, and act reasonably with us and then those rents won't stay that high we have to pay for these things they come off the profits which as i've just explained is you know you can take half the profits with like a 12 percent increase in costs in that example i gave like profits are things that we use to reinvest if you're if you're a tenant and your boiler goes and you need a new boiler the landlord's paying for that say it costs him two and a half grand it's got to come out of some income somewhere it's got to come out of profits and if you're taking profits from landlords because you've got tenant fee bans and unfair taxation and ev eviction bans and things like that uh, that's costing money across the portfolio on other properties then the landlord might say actually no i can't house you anymore they're not going to fix that boiler you need to move out i'll serve you notice but move as quick as you can this is and has been happening to a lot of people and it will get more so but we do need to increase our rents because of this and so if you're one of those housing groups as well generation rent shelter i'm looking at you and you've campaigned for these things you are supposed to be anti-homelessness charities and all you do is cause a shitload of homelessness that's not very clever is it 
It's not very smart at all. So I don't even know what to say to you about that. It's just not clever. So we need to charge more to cover the risk. Right, so I've paused, had my lunch, and I'm back recording the podcast again. So as per the tenant fee ban, what we need to do to cover the risk is charge more. And we are doing that as landlords across our portfolio. To, and, and to mitigate risks on these tenant fee bans, another, another thing we have to do is raise the level of tenants we have. So we must have better credit checks, better affordability checks, better references than ever before. That means if you're a tenant and you've had some hardship in the past, or you may be on benefits because you've given birth, or anything like that, you are going to find it much harder to rent now because we have to mitigate risks against people by having people that are much better rated than maybe you are. And it's just the way that it is with these bans in place. So to mitigate risks as landlords, uh, because of the fee ban on tenant fees, we have to reference them with the previous landlords. We have to have higher levels of credit checks. We must, must really pay attention to them as well. I'm not allowed to say this, but I will say this, right? We are not allowed to discriminate, but damn right we bloody do. If you've got fat children, we're judging you based on that. Those kids in your care, in your care, that you look after, that you're wholly responsible for, if they're fat, it's because of you, and you can't take care of them, you're not going to be able to take care of the house, are you? Because of the tenant fee ban, we're going to be much more likely to pay attention to things like that. If you've got a scrotty pet that you don't look after, it says a lot about you. If you are a little bit filthy, unwashed, dirty clothes, not well kept, we're paying attention to that now. Because if we get scrotty people in our houses, we can't charge them anymore. If they're blocking the drains with wet wipes, we have to pay for that. And it's not our fault. So to mitigate risks as landlords, we have to pay attention to these things now. We must, must look at people, how the people they care for, the pets they care for are, look at the state of them themselves, give them a sniff. And it's because of the tenant fee ban, we have to do things like that now. Even though we're not allowed to, anybody that tells you that they don't is a liar. You know, they're spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on properties. They are 100% checking out the people they put in those properties they're checking your social media as well if you're posting that you're out on some protest gluing yourself to roads ain't nobody gonna rent to you imagine having that sort of person in your house my rights this my rights that you'll never make a penny profit we are paying attention to that as landlords and you need to be aware as tenants because of these difficulties that we have now with evictions and fees and bans and all of this we are paying attention to this more than ever if you're posting about your even your mental health i've had a landlord do this he's looked through a potential tenant that we chose for him social media found she was posting about difficulties and days and things like that he's like she's not going to be a stable tenant get another one so they do do this they've been doing it for years and now it's more than ever so don't shoot the messenger hate the game not the player as it were hate the player not the game whatever we have to do this stuff we just do so this is why a good letting agent is important because they will filter out the idiots before they start. In our lettings brands, Hello New Home for properties in South Wales, Hello My Room for um, HMOs in South Wales and Southwest, and Somerset Lettings is Southwestern brand. 
in where we filter tenants out so easily we give them a form to fill in and we make it overly complicated i always used to do this when i was hiring staff as well we could make it overly when i'm hiring staff if you come for a job interview with me you'll be sat across a desk from me and i will have your chair low as it can possibly go bent right forwards so it's really awkward for you to sit now, i want to see if you put that chair back into a comfortable position or if you sit the whole interview like that it tells me a lot about you I want to make it difficult for you and then I'll catch you off guard as well. I'll finish the formal interview process and the questions I am allowed to ask. I'll walk you around the facility or wherever it is you might be working and chat to you about family and life and stuff. Questions I'm not allowed to ask. I'll soon find out about you. Believe me, I will. And again, with agents, we filter tenants so hard now because of all these bans, because of these restrictions, because of everything. So we give you difficult forms to fill out that take a while they've got information we don't need because we're trying to filter you we're trying to figure out what you are who you are how you live whether you're going to cause us trouble down the line or not and for our landlords that means that most of the time they have really good tenants because we've done this we've we've caused them the end of the day if you can't spell correctly or fill out a form properly you turn up smelling or you've got people in your care or pets in your care that you don't look after or you can't talk like all right geezer mate yeah well, yeah chav 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 then and we've met them all right you ain't getting rented to if your social media is full of stuff about your rights and not your responsibilities and protest this and sad days that and all the rest of it you ain't going to get a rental house so yes it shouldn't be like that but no these tenant fee bans make it so that we have to be like this and a good agent is massively important because a good lettings agent will filter people and they will filter out most of the dickheads quite easily so for those on my tiktok live i am i've got a presentation in front of me i'm recording for my youtube and my podcast and a tiktok live and a video I'm doing four things at once it's absolutely brilliant stuff efficiency so setting the tenants expectations from the start on oh, my video just dropped from the start we set expectations with tenants we are professionals we are in a professional relationship with our tenants they're not our friends and we need to make that clear from the beginning i tell them all we will help you whenever you need it if your boiler goes we are there if the roof has an issue we are there if you need help changing the light bulb you'll be gone is that fair so we have those tenants in place. Every single one of our tenants knows they need to deal with their own shit most of the time until it gets serious. A lot of tenants with damp issues cause them themselves by not venting their properties and turning on tumble dryers and cooking pasta and, 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 and drying clothes on radiators. A lot of damp is actually mold and a lot of the mold is or, you know it's not it's condensation and that is because of the way people are living in the houses. It's your own fault. So I tell tenants before they move in, if you get these issues, line nine times out of 10, we are gonna blame you and you're gonna deal with it. But when you do need us, we'll be there like no other agent will be. We'll be there straight away. And because we have that expectation we set with our tenants, not only as landlords and developers and investors, but also as owners of a, or letting agent brands, because we set that, our landlords are very, very happy most of the time because our tenants don't cause nearly as much shit as other people's do. We do a good job there. So the other thing that we're facing in the challenges as landlords 
are eviction restrictions and bans. If you are in Scotland, you're not allowed to evict people <laughs> at the moment, which is ridiculous. Tenants can stop paying their rent right now. Nothing you can do about that. Nothing you can do. I think till March, but it's been ongoing for like six months. Careful people, when your rights are taken by governments because of danger, as we know from a group called the Nazi Party, you never really get those rights back. You will not get those rights back. So watch out for that. And we've had rights taken away from us in terms of who we house, when we house, how much we house for. We're not going to get them back easily. So in uh, Wales, it's very difficult to evict people. We've had a tenant move in a property in Wales, pay first month's rent and deposit, never pay another penny. And because of the eviction ban, it's six months before you can actually start moving that fucker out. Six months of mortgage payments, letting agent payments, interest payments, all sorts. And it, uh, these things cost money. These things affect by your rent. Your rent goes up because of people like this. Because if we can kick these fuckers out, then we can charge less across our properties. But while we can't do this, the risk is higher, the costs are higher, and therefore your prices are higher. Now I've done this in a different example, but if, Tesco, if, if the government put out a scheme that said everybody gets £20 worth of free food a week, just go and take it from the shelves of the supermarket, there's nothing they can do about it because food is a human right, just like they say shelter is a human right, then the prices of all your food at the supermarket will go up because it's to, in order to sustain the staff, the electrics, their heating, the trucks, the farmers, the everything that goes into producing your food, because that is effectively taken off them free of charge, they will have to charge more for the rest. This is why rents are going up, because of eviction restrictions and bans and things like that. Wales, it's difficult, six months and then you can start the process. England bit quicker Scotland ban full stop Scotland has lost 700 million pounds worth of new housing developments 700 million pounds because of these types of tenant fee bans and that is going to be causing every person that is homeless in Scotland right now is homeless because of that 700 million pounds would wipe the face off it of those if those houses were built it would be done and Scotland's a cold fucking place. It's a cold place. That's not a nice thing to have. You've got to ask yourself questions when the countries like North Korea and Libya have no homelessness, and we do, and we're doing things to restrict people from pro providing properties like that. It's, it's bonkers. So the COVID era, era rules are here to stay. Well, they previously said, if a government takes rights away, citing some sort of danger, they never really give them back unless we riot so i think those rules are here to stay they're going to be they're not going to be wound back all the way that's for sure so the costs for us to run properties for you to live in have gone up so have the risks and therefore so have the prices so when you talk about uh, rents going up yeah they are and they have to because of eviction restrictions and bans if by the way, we don't. We need regulating as landlords. There are some wankers out there. We do need regulation and we do need control and we do need frameworks. Helps us operate within them. There are some horrible landlords that have done some horrible things to some tenants that didn't deserve it. We need control and those people need to be held to account. But what we also need is the freedom that when it, these people do move in, don't pay their rent, smash up our properties, cause tens of thousands of pounds worth of damage, we need to be able to kick them out. We need to be able to give them the boot. We need to be able to remove them. Otherwise, our costs go up 
and so do your rents. So when you are listening to these charities, Generation Rent, Shelter and others, and they're acting like they're helping you, they're not because we are the people that house you, not them. And if they're making it more difficult for us to house people and more costly, then they are directly increasing your costs. And that, that that's just the simple fact of it. Mitigations. So as landlords, investors, developers, we can take out insurances and I love these. We actually provide insurances with our properties to our landlords. And if a tenant stops paying rent for any reason, it covers 75% of the cost. It costs a fair bit per month. That's added onto the rent bill, believe it or not. And we ha now have a set of criteria that's higher than I think anybody else because to hit the criteria for this insurance, the tenants have to have a bang on perfect credit rating, amazing affordability checks. You need to pass all sorts of highly stringent criteria so we can get the insurance out on that those tenants. That means, again, that if you are a tenant without a perfect credit score, without a perfect history, without a really good income, how the fuck are you gonna rent a place when you're creating a marketplace like this? Because we need, because of these issues with tenant fee bans and restrictions, as landlords, we have to have security. And to get security, that means we have to raise the people that we have in our properties. And that means that people who have had hardships are going to get unduly fucked and that's not fair society as a whole should be providing housing for everybody and we would like to but we need to be secure when we do it and the rules at the moment and the legislation at the moment means that we cannot not do not want to means we cannot physically cannot so the mitigations we are taking at the moment are rent insurance rent guarantee insurance policies if you want that and you're renting out properties my letting agent brands are superb again hello new home for somerset sorry hello new home for south wales somerset lettings for somerset and hello my room for hmo rooms across the south wales and somerset all right okay we don't take out tenant guarantee insurance on the hmo rooms but it's there and we do use it now and good agents are the absolute key to these eviction restrictions and bans a good agent can sniff out somebody very well most of the time you never get rid of them all fully but by asking difficult questions by making it awkward to apply for properties by giving them specific time slots to turn up for which i know is normal but actually making them adhere to that by you know agents send out reminders for viewings and we do that but sometimes i wonder if we should stop because i want them to forget because the ones that forget to even turn up for their viewing are definitely not the sort of people we want in our houses and again and this is i should not be saying this i'm not allowed to say this i'm breaking some sort of law as agents landlords investors and developers we are looking at you we are looking at you in ways that we should not be because our security is at risk and i don't like it it shouldn't be like that but we're looking at your social profiles we're looking at how the pets and children in your care are kept we are looking at how you're kept we are listening to how you speak we are observing how you fill in forms we are seeing if you can fucking spell or not we're seeing how you communicate we're checking references like never before and good agents will cover all of that without getting you into legal trouble by saying it on a podcast but we do we have to because we've got properties to take care of and we can't kick out these people out when we get them so we have to have to look right through people right through them so 
Rent increase legislation is another thing that we're battling at the moment. England, Scotland and Wales have different levels. England, you can, I think you can raise the rents however much you want. Scotland, rent fee increase ban. Tenant, like, mortgage rates have gone up for landlords and you can't evict and you can't increase rents. Many of them now out of profit, gone in, 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 in losses. And they're having to pay for different things when they happen in properties and they can't sell. And <laughs> that's what socialism does for you. The outcome of that already 700 million pounds worth of developments has been stopped. But that's just the developments of new build sites. Imagine how many renovations, refurbishments and things like that are happening in Scotland now compared to what they could be. That there's going to you're you will be paying. Do you know in Ireland, in Ireland, a flat came we've got Irish friends my wife sat over there she brought her Irish friend over in the summer had a lovely time they're brilliant show me cues cues for a um Justin Bieber had turned up at a cafe no sorry not Justin Bieber turned up at a cafe a one bed flat had been made available <laughs> yeah it did look like that a one bed flat had been made available and there people have been queuing probably overnight by the looks of it they certainly had sleeping bags and camping mats and it went back miles just to get a viewing just to get a viewing because they made it so difficult for people to rent houses that it became not profitable so people stopped doing it and now there's no fucking housing <laughs> this is what's happening in scotland as well not long before you see queues like that in scotland now given that you can't do those you can't increase rents you can't evict tenants and you can't sell up i mean what what did they think the outcome of that was going to be really um and Wales, I think Wales have got the law right on this one. 8% a year is what they've set the limit at. Now that's difficult for us at the moment, but overall I accept that's reasonable because there are some unscrupulous landlords taking the absolute piss. And uh, like I said before, we do need regulation and control because of those people. 8% a year in a world where there's 10% inflation and mortgage rates are going up and other things isn't the end of the world. We can We can swallow that as long as you do 8% a year for the next 3-4 years because your rents are going up 24, 30%, 32%, 34%, whatever it is, they are going up that much because of all these costs and increases they will have to but in that staged way in Wales I think that's fine absolutely fine so the mitigations we can take out as landlords by the way are again well firstly as professionals we must be increasing our rents every year every year in good times and in bad sending a letter out to our tenants our costs have gone up a little bit you'll be paying two two and a half three percent extra and we need to do that every single year good year bad year whatever because we need to be ready for the rainy day every let's say every 20 years a roof needs replacing across a portfolio of 10 houses if you've not been increasing your rent every year across those 10 houses where's the money coming from for that how many boilers across those 10 houses will go in that time? How many damp issues will you get? How many fences will fall down? How many tenants that don't pay will happen? Every year, the process should be in place. We're renewing your tenancy for another year. Thank you for being a great tenant. Your new price the next year is X plus 2.5%. So that's the main mitigation you can take against rent increase legislation is increasing it as much as you can or a reasonable amount every year so that when it these things do happen you have a buffer in place another thing we can do unless you're in scotland is evict people and then relet a property in wales that's a particularly good idea 
8% increase might not cover what we need to cover with section 24 taxation with inflation with mortgage rates increasing we might then go into losses and in losses there's no point in running a business so the best way in wales would be to evict people yes and i'm the only person to tell you the truth by the way if you're a tenant watching this it's your own fucking fault well it's not your fault but it's the you know when you're clamoring and saying hate on landlords this is the outcome this is the outcome so think do you know what i am a centrist politically according to political spectrum but at the moment the world is so far left that i look like a far writer but i'm actually a centrist if you are one of those far left crazy loons that is clamoring for shitting on all the rich people the rich people provide all of your stuff all of it everything the one square mile of london pays for 50 percent of the taxes 52 percent and you want to clear them out that's 52 percent of the they, they you make it so it's not possible to bank in central london where they go in where are they going while they're going to singapore hong kong whatever and then 52 percent of those taxes are gone we've got half the nhs half the police half the services half the roads half the council half the elderly care it kicks it, it kicks down the line so in in terms of wales where we've got eight percent increased maximum eviction and reletting is probably the best way of of increasing your rent in fact it's the only legal way of increasing your rents a decent amount and no fault evictions might be the solution for us to get around this so how long will this rent increase legislation last could be a little while it could be a little while certainly will stay for um, a period and like I said before when governments take rights they very rarely if ever give them back when they took rights away from landlords because of COVID we're unlikely to get them back they will always cite safety reasons then they never give the rights back and this is just a historical fact another thing that we are facing are interest rate issues interest rate rises have gone have caused the cost of our finance to rise which means it costs more to run properties i think we're now able to get they they went and back down a bit 4.4 percent interest rates on a buy to let mortgage okay that's actually in historical context a reasonable amount of money we have been given free money for so long for so long and our 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 advantages as property investors was it allowed us to put a lot of money into the marketplace because the money was free it allowed us to keep rents relatively low because the money was effectively free with the record low interest rates we had after the 2008 crash from a macro perspective this pound sterling is i think the oldest currency in the world every fiat currency dies and us and our and the united states dollars is dying having years of zero interest rates is just propping up a currency that is way way it's not far to be gone now we're going to see some bit of a turmoil around that and they'll bring in the cbdc central bank digital currencies around that but in terms of historical contact the interest rates we're facing right now aren't actually very big at all they've been much higher much much higher and we need as landlords investors and developers to deal with the interest rates as they are now 
4.5, 4.6% on a limited company buy to let standard product is where we're looking at the moment. But those on trackers that have been a bit over base rate that are now ending their two year, five year term, they're going to be paying more than that. Those costs are going onto your rental incomes or your rental amounts, and they have to, otherwise, it's not profitable to run the property. And the landlord will send you a letter saying, I can no longer rent my property to you. I'm going to sell it. Get the fuck out. So, interest rates, are they here to stay? Yeah, probably around four, four and a half percent. Because that's, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's a reasonable amount. I think we've settled on a reasonable amount. Certainly, we can't go back to the days of boom and bust and 18% this and or, or banks not making any money on their money and renting it, loaning it out at zero, one, two, three percent, whatever. That's not viable either. So it's about right. Inflation. Inflation is another headwind that we are facing. Currently, it's about 10%. 10% is a massive amount of inflation. It means that if you've got £100,000, it will lose £10,000 worth of value in a year. That means your £100,000 will only be able to buy £90,000 worth of products in 12 months' time. You still say £100,000 in the bank, but the price of the products and the services and everything in the economy has gone up. That is eroded 10% of the value of your money. Inflation erodes value of money. And I said earlier, inflation is actually done on purpose by the government to pay off war debt. So if you have a pandemic debt of £400 billion because you shut an economy down for COVID, then in order to make that £400 billion worth half as much, you just inflate the value of a currency by twice, and then you only have the equivalent of £200 billion to pay off. Do it again, and it's £100 billion to pay off. Governments pay off war debt through inflation, so they're doing it on purpose. Don't think for a second that the cost of living crisis is an accident. They're doing it on purpose to pay off their debts. And that's how governments operate. So yes, we have an issue with Russia and oil at the moment. Now, I'm of the belief that biting Russia in the ass is not a good idea. And also, it's not of the belief. The facts of the matter are that there are and have been American missiles on Russia's border for a long, long time. And Russia said, don't put them there on that border with the Ukraine because we'll have to go in. And they said, don't because we'll have to go in. And they said, don't because we'll have to go in. And then they did. So, you know, and also that war is eight years old. That war started in 2014. I don't know why we're getting all uppity about it now. I mean, yes, we're seeing mass inflation because of Russia and oil. But don't think for a second that we're, 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 we're free of blame on that. That war started in 2014. You remember the Malaysia airline flight that went down over Ukraine and we blamed Russia for? That was because of that war. That was. Actually, as a little bit of a rant, if we're doing weapon sales as a, as a portion of guilt, then we are fucked. We sell more weapons than anybody to some of the worst regimes in the world that cause utter atrocities. So we shouldn't be doing that. Another thing on the oil thing is the United States. The United States are now selling us products, commodities at four times the rate that we got them for before. They have secured massive, massive amounts of liquid national gas, liquid, liquid, liquid natural gas from 
the wars they enacted in Iraq, Syria, Libya, Afghanistan. The United States secured a big supplies of liquid na liquefied natural gas. Then Nord Stream 2 blew up. Oh no. And now we're having to buy it off them at four times the price. So you think inflation's an accident and Russia's not our friend and America is. Well, they're taking the fucking piss out of us. And either that pipeline blew up underneath an American warship without by somebody else without them noticing that they were there or the Americans did it. There's no the warship was on that spot. There's no there's no denying that. So when we're looking at this mass inflation, it was done on purpose. It was done to pay off the COVID debt. And when we're talking about fuel price rises, it's the Americans that have caused that for us by doing these things. So printing money for COVID as well. When you print money, you devalue it. So when we printed billions and billions, hundreds of billions, it was always going to cause mass inflation. If you see any of my social media posts at the start, I was absolutely clear. We have to be sure because we're going to cost a lot of money. Our NHS will be crippled for decades to come by the bill we are paying for what we did during COVID. And it was never, ever clear that that was going to have a net benefit on deaths ever, ever. And when we're paying off these debts and we've got less nurses, less scanners, less drugs, less treatments, less doctors, less social care, because we're paying off what we did for COVID, 400 billion, that's costing lives. And if you don't think it's costing lives, what the fuck do you think every doctor, nurse, pill does? These, We didn't think this through. We didn't certainly look at the consequences. And when you look at the comments from people that run things like Sage, they never looked at the consequences of spending the money, only what a lockdown would achieve with their models done by Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson and the University College London team, who also gave us things like the ice caps will be melted by 2000 with the same models. Bird flu will end us all mad cow's disease will end us all they're crazy they're worse than conspiracy I'm more accurate no Mystic Meg is more accurate than Dr Neil Ferguson and his computer models why the fuck we use them to shut down our entire economy I don't know he's got a history of being wrong about everything every time by a fucking mile not even close I'm going to see Mystic Meg he's better she's better whoops no. assumed gender so also on inflation, we have the four names, Sunak, Truss, Boris, and Kia. We had Boris. He was a dick, but he could run things a little bit. Then we had Truss. Now, the Truss, Sunak, and Kia thing is something we need to pay attention to because inflation is affected directly by them. So we spent 400 billion on COVID. Liz Truss got in and said, I'm going to spend 40 billion on tax cuts. The bankers didn't like that. The bankers wanted Sunak. Bankers crashed the fuck out of, out of our economy. Remember the pound crashing? How the fuck did the pound crash for £40 billion worth of tax cuts versus a £400 billion COVID spend that didn't crash the pound? Think it through. Why did, that, did a potential tax cut do that? Because the bankers wanted Sunak. They've installed Sunak. They have Sunak in place. He's unelected. He's never going to win another election. He's never going to win an election. Full stop. He's unelected. Nobody chose him. He's there to install World Economic Forum type things into our into our system, and then Keir Starmer will take over. Keir Starmer will fuck things for landlords even more. Some of the late rent reforms that Labour are looking at putting in will cause massive amounts of homelessness. Massive. So we're going to go through four leaders in a in a few years. We had Boris, who had it 
relatively under control but just like to party and by the way let's do that forget the rules forget the rules you have a fat old unhealthy unfit man right who is got better data than anybody else in the country was he acting scared like something could kill him don't worry about the rules think about this the person who knew more than everybody else because he has access to everything is the prime minister who's fat old unhealthy all these things that would make him at risk of if he caught covid was he acting like he was at risk was he avoiding other people no he's having parties that should tell you everything and not just boris all the world leaders fly around the world do their meetings no masks shaking hands angela merkel look at the state of her she looks like that fucker out of star wars is it jabba the hut jabba the fucking hut she, she's at risk of catching something and dying right because she's not a healthy person she's flying around the world shaking hands don't think for a second that what they were telling you is real in fact we've had rishi sunak who was whatever minister at the time coming out and admitting they were doing marketing campaigns and things to convince us whilst they were having parties we're going to go from mr mr boris to truss who effectively did nothing wrong but pissed off the bankers who then crunched our pound in order to oust her and get in their man which is sunak oh yeah billionaire banker installed above our heads what could possibly go wrong and because he's already doing a Gordon Brown and fucking everything we're going to end up with Labour we're going to end up with Keir Starmer in charge and the rent reform things and the inflation will kick on from there because Labour don't know how to hold the purse strings let's be honest and if you look at the NHS in Wales where they do run it it's cringeworthy so your money in the bank is getting eroded and it will continue to be eroded because of the political status that we're in at the end of the day the government is trying to pay off its debt by inflating its currency they're doing it on purpose we're having a s series of leaders that are causing inflation and the one we had that would bring the economy back was ousted by the bankers so they could have what they wanted which was the inflation which is the cost of living crisis so if you've got 100 grand in the bank it's going to be worth 90 grand in a year's time 10 percent inflation is eroding your money that quickly so inflation is also at speed so your cash will devalue quickly your property will value more slowly liquid assets move quickly cash in your hand goes in and out of your hand in your bank account goes in and out of your bank account property moves more slowly no wings no wheels no legs it can't move it's where it is it takes time it takes legal processes it moves slowly so it holds value better it's like an insulator it holds back value better and as insulation increase uh, insulation <laughs> inflation increases there's cost of living crisis it will affect the house prices they're probably going to go down a chunk but then because we have mass inflation the prices will then rise to match that so if you're buying a property now in two three four five years time people will be saying to you you got a property at a really good price the price have gone up 20 30 percent since then how did you know to when to buy because it's fucking obvious because you listen to this podcast that's why it is a time to buy property better than ever because inflation will drag the price of your properties up in the end and now is a really good time to buy another headwind that we're facing as investors developers are the cost of living crisis household bills are going up people are finding it harder to live 
the affordability is becoming more and more difficult for people. So for us as landlords and, and letting agents, we have to do more stringent checks on people than ever before. And again, if you're finding it hard to rent somewhere because you've not got a perfect credit score, sorry, but we have to de-risk ourselves. And to do that, we have to in, we have to choose more carefully who we allow into our property. It just is how it is. Now we can get insurance on existing tenants and we do and have done this. So if you are a landlord and you want to de-risk yourself for a small monthly fee, message me because our letting agent brands do this and we will put insurance on your tenants with you of course. We have it in-house, we do, we do this every day and it's not that much money actually but it just works a treat and you we will need to re-credit check your tenants they will need to sign forms and all the rest of it but if they do pass it take a little bit off your profits but it'll give you that security that your rent is covered or at least 75 percent of it if they stop paying and the insurance covers off getting the rent payments back evicting them if you have to everything even two months of your property being empty between getting rid of them and the next one it's a great 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 policy that we operate at somerset lettings hello new home and hello my room so choosing who we rent to i've gotten over that many times it is we are stringent as fuck nowadays we're checking your socials where your affordability checks have got harder we're making it difficult for you to apply the forms are difficult we're being awkward we're asking you awkward questions and we're doing it on purpose because we need to find out about tenants before they go in it's simple as that so those and i've done an hour on this are the headwinds we're facing those are the difficulties for those on tiktok live this is a presentation podcast youtube video called how to invest in property in 2023 and i've just done the headwinds that we're facing an hour on them because there's a lot of them but now we're doing the opportunities now we're doing the positive stuff and the opportunities are that we can rent profitably we can do so yeah we've got to raise the rates and do it but it is possible and the marketplace still allows us to operate profitably which means it's still worthwhile doing it's a better time than it has been in at least the last five years to buy property there has not been a better time to buy than now it's there's less competition more people are leaving landlords are exiting the market they're even selling their tenanted properties it's a brilliant time to buy absolutely brilliant ah, got a nice cup of coffee there the future market conditions are looking good as well so we have all these issues tenant fee bans eviction bans interest rates high inflation high they're all going to come off maybe over the next year or so year and a half in fact let's be honest when's our next election due 2024 they're going to wipe it off just before that aren't they aha uh-huh. <laughs> so we're at the start of 2023 now in about a year year and a half's time these things will come off and it'll become a, a living will become a lot easier for people as we approach the election cycle and as that happens our profit margins will go back up so what we're looking at if we're doing rentals right now are short-term financial products maybe two-year fixed mortgages so that we can remortgage in a couple of years when inflation has dragged the price of our properties up so we can take more money out and the interest rates come back down to a more reasonable level this is going to be a good time for us if we buy now and we ride that time period out these are opportunities for us we need to go and buy when the market is doing the opposite 
change of use is another opportunity. If we can take a property and turn it into something else, we can add value to it if we do it right. And change of use is an amazing opportunity right now. Commercial property is also a great opportunity right now when done right. You have to be careful of technology. Lots of people are not working from offices anymore. I'm working from my house. I don't need an office. How many people are like that? So yes, commercial property, but no, you have to do it right. And commercial to residential con con conversions. We do these, we specialize in these, we love these. In terms of pounds per square foot, the profits you can generate from them are ri ridiculously good and we like them a lot. And flips, buying properties that are in a state, doing them up, and selling them is a really really smart strategy right now I'm going to go into those in more detail so firstly renting profitably buy to let is not as profitable as it was but single lets which are where you rent one property as a whole rather than a shared house are still the bread and butter and the backbone of the British economy they are, just are whatever happens people need places to live and without places to live there are riots and problems and therefore there will always be a marketplace in, under which making places available to live is viable. So it's not as profitable as it was, but it will come back. And when we're increasing our prices in line with inflation and then the other market forces come back towards us, buy to let will again be much more viable. And, and as long as you are taking advantage as well of the as well of the capital appreciation that you will be getting during these times of inflation, you will be fine. HMOs, I love HMOs. HMOs are houses of multiple of, of multiple occupation. I don't know why they take the O out. They're homos, aren't they? Not HMOs. Homos. Fuck it, sorry. Uh, homos, shared houses, brilliant. If you can take a property and turn it into a shared house, so you're renting out five rooms or six rooms or seven rooms, rather than one or one house as a whole then you're making more money you need to pack more people in more tightly than ever before and the reason is all the reasons listed above um, service accommodation is a service accommodation operators are full of shit let's be straight and clear about that the rent to rent people that are trying to rent people's properties put them on airbnb telling them that they've got corporate clients are lying at, through their teeth they're not telling you the truth at all there are a couple of companies that have semi-permanent or permanent staff full-time with accounts and account managers that deal with corporate clients you renting an apartment of somebody and doing it up and thinking you can get corporate co contracts no ain't happening you're not competing with those people you cannot you put it on airbnb and then you've got a cyclical business that's doing well in the summer and not in the winter and the occupancy rates people advertise are absolutely bonkers and the nightly rates people advertise are also absolutely bonkers now there are a few good serviced accommodation people but most of them are full of shit and if you watch my short form videos on TikTok, and i think i put them on instagram as well you'll see where i pull apart i see these serviced accommodation deals posted every day and i i, I talk about them I pull them apart and tell you the truth on them and how much money you'll actually be making because it's not hard you can go on airbnb pick a similar property look at the nightly rate look at how many nights it's booked for because you can see when you can book it and you can say well that guy's got 17 percent occupancy rate over the next three months 
17 and somebody's advertising 70 as something that will make them 100 pounds a night when the others are charging 50 pounds a night it, it is that crazy so watch out for those serviced accommodation particular people particularly those selling courses oftentimes they're lying to you for your money and the reason they're selling courses is because they're not making money out of their serviced accommodation units I'll say it before and I'll say it again I have been to one of the large training organizations the serviced accommodation training specialist whilst he was chatting away and selling his course did not know that I was on Airbnb finding him looking at his properties at that time he had seven properties on Airbnb with a 4% booking rate going forwards so then went on company's house and found out that his training business was paying for his serviced accommodation units to stay open while selling serviced accommodation training courses yeah so another advantage of increasing rents uh, of renting profitably are increasing rents in line with inflation yeah we have to do this but not just in line with inflation also in line with costs and when we've got these unfair taxation and we've got these tenant fee bans and we've got these eviction bans then your rents have to go up disproportionately and they will and across those three things we're talking 40 50 percent so if your rent was 600 pounds a month over the next or even it already started but let's say the next two three years you're going to end up to 900 pound 950 just because those are the situations that we're in now and that you've caused those costs simple as that if you didn't argue against landlords and you didn't shit on us for providing you with housing and you went after tesco's because food's a human right rather than going after landlords saying shelter is a human right then you'll you know but whatever spread the hate pay for it simple as that insurances again we do provide insurances rent guarantee insurance we use it as many times as we can now and we have to because people are finding it difficult and that's a one way of renting profitably is paying the rent guarantee insurance then we're secure in our knowledge as landlords that we're getting paid whatever happens as long as we hit our criteria we have to provide habitable spaces we have to do certain things we have to be legally compliant but otherwise our insurances won't pay out so it is a flipping brilliant time to buy it's the first great buyer's market in the last five years we're going to see 20 to 30 percent increase in the values of our properties in the next five years it doesn't matter about highland it doesn't matter about oh fuck. it doesn't matter about inflation um eroding the value of our money if it's in assets because inflation brings everything up we might lose a little bit of value in our properties now with the cost of living crisis we might lose a little bit of value with the property market going down a bit but if inflation is carrying on as it is then our properties will rise with them in time so buy now and the next five years you just raise value anyway which is actually a great way of making money you could buy a shithole for say a hundred thousand pounds not do anything with it and then in three four years time sell it for 120 130 having not spent a penny on it just left your money in there just like having a bank interest rate that really it's also we're going to be doing very well when the rent and legislation and inflation issues stabilize and they will stabilize they have to they can't continue like this and when they do it's going to be good for the people that buy now so it is a really great time to buy and then if you are in property for the short term then you are an idiot and you probably should go somewhere else property is a long-term game and when you look at it longer term it's looking really really good so 
yes, there are more difficulties for us as landlords, investors and developers now than there were, but no, they won't stay forever. And now because those problems exist now, we're having a great time to buy. So if there's cash available, it's a good time to buy these things. Another opportunity for us, change of use. Change of use is where you take a use of one building and turn it into another use. Take a restaurant and turn it into a house, for example. It's one of the best ways to make money in property because front center retail units have a price per square foot or square meter that's similar to residential. But just behind the front shop front, you're talking about sort of 40% of the value. And then when you're in the back and upstairs in the stock rooms, you're talking about 10% of the value. If you make that all into 100% value residential space, then you are making money as long as you develop it efficiently. So we look for spaces that are old, wrecked, difficult, and we're looking at pounds per square meter, pounds per square foot, and then we're looking at what we can convert those, how we can convert those. And you need windows, you need access, you need fire escapes, you need, you need to qualify these buildings in all types of ways. But one of the best ways to make money is by changing the use of a building. And you can do that without laying a brick. You can do that by buying a building, getting a planning uplift on it, and then selling it as a development without laying a brick. It's actually a really good way of doing this. So firstly, have to choose wisely. Must, must, must choose wisely when you are picking out a product for development. Because if you're picking an old pub in a village as a thing that you're looking to turn into residential, yeah, are you going to take the last pub out of the village? Are the planning authorities going to allow that? No, then probably not. You can't take get rid of doctors, corner shops, dentists. You just can't do that. The other thing is, is if you're in a town centre where there's a run of shops, you're not going to get a house there, are you? Or an apartment on the bottom floor. You might get above it, but not on the bottom floor. And then if you are in a say a run of shops, you're going to have buildings either side. So you only have windows at the front and the back. That might mean that you can't have multiple apartments on different floors, which means that it might not be viable to turn into an apartment space. And then do you have shopping, shopping? <laughs> car park in there? Probably not. That might affect the viability. So when we're looking at our projects for development in the Swansea area, we have to hit transport links. So we put in bike and bin stores in buildings where we cannot have parking bike and bin stores allow us to tick the boxes for the transport department that's particularly the bike thing and say and we also look how far we are away from bus stations and train stations and Swansea Council use a scoring system so if you hit the right amount of scores the they will sign it off and say that the, the transport accept, the department accepts this planning change um, you have to tick all the boxes with all the departments to get an approval but in terms of transport, if we're within X number of meters of a bus stop and we've added bike stores, then we've ticked the box and we're okay. So do you have room for that in a building you're looking to convert? You need to you need to know these things. You need to choose wisely when you're looking at a property to convert from commercial to residential. Are you in a conservation area? These are difficult things. In conservation areas, say you're in an old town center, you might have uh, it so you cannot have windows you might have to keep the old wooden windows they cost a lot of money you might have to keep original brickwork and repair it instead of putting render over the top 
in conservation areas there's so many things like we've had a planning application accepted on a old brick building where they made made us use a very specific type of uh, brick cleaning methodology in order to keep the features of the building perfect they insisted on it and it was expensive so you've got to be careful if you're in conservation areas you need to know what they are where they are what the rules are and the best way of dealing with these things is to look at old planning applications I read more planning applications than anyone else probably I know exactly what's been accepted what's been rejected what the comments are everything in an area before I buy any property because the history will tell you the future mixed-use buildings so in areas we've just been discussing this really where you are in a commercial environment can you put apartments above you probably can and then you've got a mixed-use building mixed-use buildings are brilliant as long as you can get a good commercial tenant on the ground floor but be wary of these one excellent way of making money is to buy a building that has is maybe empty or has a charity shop in it or something like that because the bank will lend you a little bit of money against the value of that building based on the rent that you get but if it's a small business a charity shop they'll lend you a say three times multiplier of the rent so if you have a, a charity shop paying you 12 grand a year for a little shop then the bank will lend you 36 grand on that if you kick them out and you put in say Greg's or another blue chip client they'll lend you maybe 10 even more times than that so then you that 36,000 pound in finance they'll actually give you 120,000 pounds in finance massive difference and you can get these companies in by offering them peppercorn rents for a period I'll give you one pound a month for 12 months if you move in and sign a 10-year contract and you take a 10-year contract with McDonald's Burger King Greg's Marks and Spencer's whoever the fuck it is to the bank and say I've got a 10-year contract with this blue chip client for this property they will lend you lots of money against that property which then allows you to go and use that deploy that elsewhere on other things or maybe to develop the upstairs and that's actually a really easy way of making money out of property so mixed use buildings but also using blue chip clients and and, and playing that strategy is an incredible way of making money in property commercial property brilliant long-term rents but harder to get we had a commercial property we got an ice cream maker in ice cream maker we know this little ice cream local place we go in and get different yeah it took us you know when we rent out a property we get hundreds of tenants applying straight away it took us three four months to get this tenant in for commercials it's harder to get but when they move in it's longer term also with commercial property you can't renovate a building for them let's say i renovated a commercial best unit for her planning to get a hairdresser in and then I had an ice cream company move in well so what you do is you give them a period of rent freeness and from that they then develop the building themselves into a th something that they want and then they stay there for years and years and years so you sign say a, a five-year lease not one year like you would with a tenant a five-year lease probably minimum we say six months free so that pays for them for, to renovate the building and use it how they want to and if say a break clause after three years so if it's not working for them they can kick out but they still hand you back and say a, a, a cafe with all the bits so you and then you can rent it out from there as that so it's basically free to renovate apart from structural issues and maybe getting supplies in 
you you can't give them a building with no electric or water or gas but it's basically free to renovate and you get longer term tenants it just takes longer to get so you need to think about the economic prospects of an area i see people in blackpool doing videos showing all these boarded up buildings if you're getting a commercial building there and thinking of putting a cafe in it where everything else is boarded up you're 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 mad look at the economic prospects of an area particularly if say you're in south wales and you're near port talbot port talbot has a steelworks that employs everybody it's a massive massive steelworks it's huge you've never seen it it's worth having a look it's monster size if that closed down that area is fucked it's gone is it going to close down no there are big reasons for that um if we end up at war we need to be able to produce bullets tanks planes guns we need steel production so i don't think the government will ever let that shut down but it's a great example of an area that's reliant overly reliant on one employer you have to be if you're doing commercial units particularly you have to be aware of what the economic prospects are of that particular micro area that you are in also be wary of technology i am currently operating this podcast on my computer with everything i need from a desk in my house with my dog down to my right hand side my wife sat across the desk from me my kids are at school happy days do i need an office no i do not how many businesses are coming out of offices my sister-in-law works for a company that's always operated in offices always over years back in oh god 2003 i was working in the same office block as her in a different company now 20 years later she's still operating in from a company that does operate from that area but they don't have the offices anymore they've moved everybody home they work from home and that will happen more and more and more so if you're looking at putting a office-like company into your building be careful because technology is taking that away physical things such as say the ice cream shop where you can't deliver that via the internet can you (laughs) so you just basically pay attention Uh, if you if you are putting small businesses in place that don't necessarily need office space ask them the right questions sign them up to longer term leases and just make sure that you've got that basis covered because if you've got a commercial property and you plan to hold it for 20 30 years or whatever it might be and you're doing it based off the fact that you're going to put in office type groups into there then maybe in 10 years think where technology is now what's ai going to be like what a virtual meeting is going to be like in 2033 and it's going to affect use of office space so you also need to have a plan if i'm say doing a commercial hmo uh, where i've got commercial businesses and they're all little little different office-based businesses and technology takes them away from this space can i convert this building into residential further down the line so you always have a what if so what ifs are important in commercial property commercial hmos i think are brilliant take one big building rent it out by the floor by the space you can you can have um my mum has inherited or part inherited with her brothers and brothers and sisters a commercial hmo in Froome, somerset where they rent out to various different businesses quite some quite good stories behind that as well one of one of the tenants i think it was an estate agent stopped paying because he was arrested because he was in some sort of cult <laughs> madness isn't it uh 
they, they get everywhere, these freaks and weirdos. So commercial HMO is where you take one building that used to be for one big business, effectively, and I think this is an old vinegar mill, you know, and you rent it out individually in portions is a great way of making money from commercial businesses. Just be aware of what's going in the future. And then commercial to residential conversions are another massive, massive opportunity in the property industry. Oops. You have planning uplifts where you take a building, add a planning application to it, get that approved and then just sell it. Don't need to lay a brick. That planning application being approved means you're now selling a development with a value on the end of it. Say you take an old, let's take the old vinegar mill in Froome. It's worth X amount on the open market. You get a planning uplift to turn it into 30 apartments. Those apartments are worth £100,000 each. Say that building's worth 500 grand now. Well, 30 apartments, 100 grand each is worth 3 million. There's two and a half million pound profit there. You have to develop it and, you, and spend costs on it, but there's money to be made there if the costs don't outweigh the profit margins um, and if you can sell that as a development I have a, a piece of land here with planning to do this it will cost you this you, just by doing that planning uplift on that building you might have made half a million quid because a developer will buy that off you for a million pound when you bought it for half so planning uplifts without laying a brick can be a great way of making money in property if you do them right. And again, choose correctly. Choose correctly. What are the planning applications in and around the area? In my mum and aunties and uncles uh, old vinegar mill property, that is in a place it shouldn't be. It's not on an industrial estate. It's in a residential area. Are the council likely to accept that as residential? Yes, very likely. Is there parking? What are the parking restrictions in the area? As the sewerage, is the sewerage system capable of accepting uh, 30 more apartments? What's the road system like? How close are you to the amenities? Know all these things before you apply for planning. What has been accepted in the past? What has been rejected in the past? What are the council's criteria for things that they are looking for? Are they looking for more residential spaces? This is all publicly available information. You need to know it. If you're a professional, you do know it. And if you want to keep your money and not waste it, do just do the reading, do the research. Go to bed reading planning applications. I do. It's fantastic fun. <laughs> so planning up lists, great way of making money. Efficiency is so important. And in commercial to residential conversions, efficiency is something that you can have a lot of because you're not building something out of the ground. You don't need new bricks most of the time. You don't need new sewerage most of the time. You're just redoing the interior and maybe roofs and things like that. So your costs to convert a building are a lot less than to build a building. There are regulations. There are regulations and regulations involving fire escapes, fire systems, all sorts of things like that. So say I'm doing a shared house. I may say I've got a house and I'm converting it into a shared house. Then I will need fire boards, which are plaster boards that are fireproof to a certain degree in the escape routes. So every room will have to lead to a door of some sort. I have to have fire escape signs. I will need fire boards in. I can't just leave the walls as they are, reskim them. I've got to replace the boards. I also need a certain level of fire system 
that is linked together with a panel at the at, uh, in a central location somewhere I can't just have fire alarms up so I've got to run wires in and around behind I can't just say this house looks decent I'll just put a, I'll just repaint it I have to replace the, the fucking walls I have to replace what's behind the walls and that's that's just a case of regulations so efficiency is yes you get it but also plan ahead you can't just I can't rent this house now out now as a HMO because that's not a fire door behind me for those on the podcast that's not a fire door. I have to replace that with a fire door fire frames intermescent strips which prevent smoke coming through by the way fire doors are some of the most amazing things right they're not fireproof doors as such they just expand under heat so they fill the frame bulb bulb out bulbous out in the heat of a fire fill the frame present prevent smoke ingress stop the fire from spreading into somebody's room i think it give you half an hour half an hour and and by the way that if you're in a room in a shared house you'll have half an hour from the ceiling below you or above you and the and the walls and the doors you'll be super safe and in wales if you're doing anything that's conversion or new you gotta fit a sprinkler system where's the tank going for that i've worked with a developer before who's done his own designs and not designed where the sprinkler system goes in a tight fit seven bed house in fact and an eight bed house and three flats didn't know what he was doing did his own designs and uh and then and then we've ended up having to build outhouses and things for sprinkler systems is that uh, yeah. <laughs> like, where's this going like you've got you've got to consider this these things so careful of people that do their own designs when they don't know what they're doing careful of regulations and things in your conversion speak to planning officers licensing officers speak to them early and often and make sure that you are within regulations particularly for fire regulations by the way if you break fire regulations then you've hidden that a building firstly you've hidden that from building control because building control have to sign off conversions and if building control aren't aware that you've broken fire regulations then you've hidden something from them lied to them you've got fireballs and things like that if you have a fire somebody gets injured or killed then you are criminally liable as a landlord criminally if you've been breaking the fire regulations so don't skip that stuff it, it, not even because you're criminally liable just because you're a human being these things are there to protect people the legislation is in, is there to protect people and we need to operate within that so commercial to residential conversions brilliant brilliant you can be really efficient but there are regulations and those regulations cost money soundproofing is another regulation that you need to ha need to deal with in order to pass the test in order to be able to rent your, your property out when you've completed it in order to get your building control certificate location i've touched on this before if you're again if you're in a city town center with lots of footfall and lots of commercial premises the last thing they're going to let you do is put a is put a residential unit on the ground floor what we've done in the past is halved the footprint of the residential unit on the ground floor so the back is living space and the front is half the shop front it used to be that's doable as well so where is the property if, if you've got a commercial property that's out in the stick somewhere that's an old warehouse or something what are you going to do with that well not apartments are you maybe you could turn it into the old nice big sort of barn like living structures where people have these big country houses you can do that one of my good friends does that with conversions up around my dog's grunting in her sleep so you can convert properties but you need to choose the right one for the right area if you're looking at doing converting a 
Somerset, well, I mean Somerset, Somerset barn, and you're looking at turning that to apartments when there's no nobody lives within three miles of the place, and you're mad. It's never going to happen. It won't get approved. And if it does, you won't you won't rent them out, will you? So choose wisely. And again, I've said this again and again: the planning in your area. Read all the planning applications on your street for the last, or the street you're looking at for the last 20 years. Well, 20 is a bit much, but depends. And then the next street over, then the next street over, the next street over. You end up reading 30 to 50 to 100 planning applications. But by the time you've done it, you will know everything that the planning officers have said, done, want, and don't want in an area. And then you can design you, what you're doing accordingly and choose whether to buy that property or not. And do this before you buy a property so you know what you're going to be able to do with it and then of course permitted development permitted development is fucking beautiful it is a f class of development that supersedes the planning officers the planning officers were not doing enough uh, accepting enough residential spaces the government was filling up the country with people so they said we're going to overrule you and have permitted development that means that different classes of building can be converted into other classes of building and you can have extensions and things without the planning officers allowing it. Bear with me a second. Alexa, turn on the light. There we are. So that means that in certain classes of planning or certain classes of building can be changed to residential automatically. You still have to go through a process, but the planning officer cannot say no for any reason. Well, there are some reasons, but cannot generally say no. So don't ask for unreasonable things. Don't ask for a 50-foot golden unicorn with neon pink tail on the roof. Don't ask for something that's abnormal. But if you find something and you can do it under permit permitted development, you have a 100% chance of getting that planning application through as long as you're being reasonable. And that will allow you to buy buildings, change their value, sell them on without laying a brick, or if you want to lay the bricks, make even more money off them. And I think my favorite at the moment before the economy where it is, is flipping property, because all those rent issues are in the way at the moment, make it more difficult, but you can flip them by buy, refurbish, sell, buy, refurbish, sell, buy, refurbish, sell. We do about 20% on our flips. So buy a property, for, I don't know, 80 grand, spend 20 grand on it, sell it for 120. 20%. Lovely. Do that. You can knock them out. You probably do a refurb in three months. Sell it in three months, every six months. If you do that twice a year, it's actually 40%. That's all right, isn't it? 40% of your money, and it's stored in property whilst your cash is being inflated. And you know, the end of the day, it, during times of inflation, you want assets, not cash assets not cash assets not cash so 100 grand in the bank is worth 90 grand in a year because of inflation well if your money's in a property and it's and you're making 20 percent on it then you are mitigating that inflation factor speed is a key speed when you're flipping properties is important you need to get in and get out particularly now when it's unstable Let's say the price of properties goes down 10%, which is 2008 crash-like levels or more even, in fact, pretty much unheard of. But let's say it happens. The price of property goes down 10% whilst you're doing a flip worth 20%. Well, that means your profit margin is only 10%, not 20%. 
but it's better than you losing your 10% of your value because you kept your money in cash and the inflation eroded it. So flipping property is a great way of storing money and keeping its value during times of mass inflation and uncertainty. But also you do need to operate at speed at these, at these times as well. So one of the reasons, and I've got a YouTube video on this, how to buy property at auction and I'm writing a book on how to buy property at auction. One of the reasons I love buying property at auction is speed. It takes 30 days to buy a house. 30 days is the set time period. You pay your deposit, pay the auctioneer's fees, get your whole legal pack in advance and you've got 30 days to complete. No fucking about waiting for surveys, vendors, legals, people fanning around. 30 days. You can, you can refurbish it in another 60 days and you sell it 60 days later you buy another one and you do the process again and you've done two three a year and you made 40 60 percent on your money and and then instead of being instead of having one flip because it took ages to buy on the open market i've got one purchase right now we're seven months into the purchase seven months in but but i'm getting a seven bed hmo for 140,000 pounds seven bed HMO gets a commercial valuation commercial valuation is a multiplier of the rents that thing when full is worth 400 grand I'm buying it for 140 spending 35 grand including furniture on it including fixing bits of the roof yeah doing well out of that one eh so but it's taken us seven months to buy it and quite honestly if it wasn't such a good property i'd chuck that money somewhere else and used it again and again and you see how quickly you can make money with property if you're buying at auction 30 days to buy it 60 days in and out up for sale next you can quickly rotate these so so fast so inflation versus your house prices well if money is losing 10% of value a year because of inflation and you do one flip, then you mitigate that by worth 20%, then you're, you're, you're mitigating that somewhat. If you can do two or three and make 40 or 60% versus the 10% loss, then you are laughing, absolutely laughing. And as professionals, that's what we do. And in any business, when you are rotating your stock more, you are making more money. That's how it works. So flips are also taxed on their profit, not their turnover. Everybody should pay fair tax for everything that we get. We, I can go outside now, fuck my leg and go to a hospital despite all the strikes and things and they will fix it for me or put me in crutches or whatever. I can do that by driving on roads that are kept for me. I'm not crashing into rubbish and litter because that is collected for me. That I don't need to worry about bumping into old people because they're cared for, for us. So taxes are fair taxes are vital and fair taxes are paid on flips you pay tax but there's a big argument in property about whether you should do things in your personal name or a company name don't fuck about with doing things in your personal name this is a business and you are professionals do it properly put it in a company stop stop with all this i don't give financial advice do it in a company all right for god's sake like and from that you can take your costs off you can take your um, dividends out you can take your corporation tax and a clever accountant will make you more money than they they cost you 
by adjusting things so that you pay the right amount in dividends, the right amount of tax, you take X, Y, and Z costs off, they do that, and that's reasonable. But you still pay a decent amount of tax, and it's on the profit, not the turnover, whereas when you rent them, you're now paying tax on the turnover. So that's another great reason for flipping them right now. And so in conclusion, I believe right now in 2023, the thing to do is to flip houses and do conversions. Buy them in a, in a poor state. I can't swear so much on my YouTube scene. Buy them in a poor state. Do them up and sell them. Or buy them in a poor state. Get a planning uplift on them. Do them up and then sell them. Or rent them if you're doing that. And, and as a principle, you need more people per property. So where it used to be really profitable to buy a property, do it up and rent it out to one person, now it's less likely. So you want to convert things into shared houses. You want to turn houses into apartments. You want to turn big houses into more smaller houses. More people per property is the way forward. And of course, number three, still on my list of things to do in 2023 are standard rentals. Buy to lets are bread and butter. There's no massive use of properties like you get in the shared houses. There's no lots of footfall through corridors. There's no monster use of kitchens and bathrooms. And it, and people will always need places to live. The market will come back to us as landlords, investors and developers. It will be fine. So adding buy-to-lets to your portfolio is always a good idea and will always be a good idea. But right now, Number one, flips and conversions. Number two, stick to the principle of adding more people per property. And number three, after that, standard rental properties are the way forward. So in 2023, with the market the way it is and everything that's going on, everything, tenant fee bans, eviction bans, section 24, meaning we pay tax on our turnover, not our profit, as the only people in all of the Western history to have it, then uh, okay open heart thank you oh by the way open heart i've not known much about these people i'm doing a tiktok live for my podcast people and open heart i follow them on tiktok and you will not believe we're one of the only countries in the world i did not know this that rips children from parents without consent and hands them over i thought watching peaky blinders that this was a thing of the past that they were sent to inter no we do that now we do that to people now so follow Open Heart on TikTok and wherever else you find them and look at their content. It is horrific what we do to people. And do you know what? I'm probably over-egging this a bit because there's some situation where children are put in danger because they are birthed by smackhead mothers who have a history of abusing children and have partners that abuse people. But at the same time, you can't just be ripping babies off of mothers like, the, like we do. When you watch some of their content, you will be shocked at what goes on in this country absolutely shocked so you do a great job open heart nice to see you have to leave anyway yes so back to property flips and conversions more people per property and standard rentals are the three things and i'm doing flips this year and conversions more than ever i think that'll do we're one hour and 41 minutes in fantastic podcast episode See me at keypropertiesuk.co.uk, somersetlettings.co.uk, hellonewhome.co.uk, hellomyroom.co.uk, podcast, the Martin Howard Property Podcast, UK Property Investment on TikTok, Key Properties UK on Instagram, God knows what is YouTube, Key Properties UK on, no, UK Property Investment on YouTube as well. I'll see you all again soon. 
always deep deep dives on property content and things real real things no bullshit with me see you all again soon bye bye hey thank you for listening if you found this episode informative and educational and entertaining then visit our website www.keypropertiesuk.co.uk that's k-e-y propertiesuk.co.uk and join our mailing list where you can get updates on the latest podcasts the videos that we do the blog post content we do lots of updates on the uk property industry everything to do with investments and of course if you're interested in investment properties as well you can get on our list to get first access to those and if you have anything to ask me directly you can go on my calendly link off of that website and book in a half an hour call with me directly so again thank you for being here i hope you found it fun and entertaining and i'll see you again on the next one